Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Hello and welcome to the Football Grad Podcast. I'm your host Manuel Feit and as always I'm joined on this wonderful beautiful day on the Canadian West Coast by my good buddy Tim Bokterchev. Tim, it's almost too nice to record this podcast. We should just wrap it up and go outside. What do you think? <laughs> exactly. I think that's a good idea and I think that's what we're going to do in about an hour's time because the weather is just absolutely fantastic. Uh, for the listeners around the world, uh, Vancouver summer is pretty cool. Like I think it's, it's probably it depends on you know your preferences in summer, but I think it's ideal. It doesn't get too hot. It never gets over thirty, but it's usually about this twenty five, twenty six, twenty eight uh, mark degrees, and it's always sunny. And it starts kind of like in the beginning of July and goes to middle of September, and it's just amazing. And this is what we haven't for the past couple of weeks. It's been me and Mano of, of Pod. We're talking how beautiful and amazing uh, the right now the weather is. And we spreading our sunshine love from Canada to the old fans of Russian football. Yeah, it's hard. I mean, I had to drag myself Always in from the... Mean. I had to drag myself in from the patio, uh, you know, and uh, do this. But it has to be done. Um, it's probably the last podcast of the season. I mean, it is the last podcast of the season. And we're going to much deserved summer break although it feels like there's not much of a summer break and you know t tim we're extremely lucky because you know i know other parts of the world it's it's not quite that nice although i know the next person that we're going to introduce on this podcast he he claims to be in the, from the most beautiful city on the planet and uh we'll just give that to him because we're very polite where we live so yeah andrew how's it going how is it in two men <laughs> Well, you know what? You, we were actually picked the only day which has not had piercing blue skies and pushing 35 degrees Celsius um, in Chumon. So today is not actually so great. But as you quite rightly points out, Chumon is the greatest city in the world. Um, a statement propagated by the city's government and is absolutely true. It's one of the few things they actually have truthfully said. Um, but otherwise, I'm OK. And of course, my day is starting off on a bright note, brightened up by you boys. So. It, I can't go wrong. It, it should be bright and up fast because, you know, it's like, it's just so nice. I, I love summer. It's like the best time of the year. I wish it would last all year. That's why I chose to live in a place where it pretty much does. But, um, boys, summer also means a lot of other things. This year is going to be incredibly exhausting because as you guys know, uh, I work for Transfermarkt. Um, we're now at a time of the year where Transfermarkt does most of their business because 
transfers. Um, they happen all the time, nonstop. And, um, UEFA and FIFA, they, you know, they just decided it's such a great time that they're going to do it all the way to October. And that means that we're going to do this for a very long time. We might as well just start out with it now because that's just how it is. So, uh, Tim, you want to take this? Um, because I'm looking at this document here and I'm not sure if like maybe the drink that I had out in the party was a little bit too strong, but uh, do I read this correctly? Kokoran to Spartak? I mean, that can't be right. Exactly, Mano. <laughs> this is absolutely insane. Um, um, rumors and some uh, journalists, uh, Kokorin might sign tomorrow for Spartak. We're going to talk 100% about it when it happens, but apparently that there, there is a chance. And just to give a little bit of backstory, once Kokorin left his jail time, he always said that he wants, wanted to stay at Zenit because he wanted to win trophies, because he had a good tr- contract, he wanted to, to play for them. And Sergei Simak, who is the coach of the team, also said that, uh, that he wanted Kakorin. But we know how things happened. He was forced to go to Sochi on a loan, and now his loan is done. His contract with Zenit is done. He is a free agent, and he has a choice. And he even had some options, in apparently, in Italy. Um, also, Village Bosch wanted him in France. And But right now, it all comes down to pretty much whoever will offer him uh, the biggest deal. Uh, that's, that's, again, the rumors. Uh, there were some o- options with Lokomotiv and Dynamo, but they both didn't work out. One of the interesting caveats that uh, uh, the reason he didn't go to Lokomotiv, because the person who hit with the chair, uh, Mr. Pak, who was involved in that uh, criminal situation, he is related to uh, that uh, the transport. So they didn't feel that it was, uh, you know, corporately uh, right decision to pay a few million dollars to Kakorin who hit one of their colleagues with the chair. So that was off. Dynamo is off as well. And right now it's pretty much not too many options because uh, for some reason uh, Spartak decided to get him. And uh, we have our new uh, general manager or sporting director, Shamil Gazizov, who used to be at Tofa. And he already stated a few times that he wants to, uh, in Russian there's a saying, to throw a glue. To, uh, the, which meaning to compete, to kind of, you know, to to take on uh, Zenit. Uh, so um, I think that's 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 what he's doing. He's trying to get, if you if Zenit doesn't want him, we'll take him. And Zenit looks like they don't want him right now. And that's why how I think where the Sochi comes in. He's currently at Sochi and he potentially can stay. And then maybe I see the thinking of Zenit, maybe take him next year or in um, Azmun will leave because Azmun apparently has offers in Italy, especially it looks sounds like Napoli or maybe a couple other clubs. So, uh, and then Zuba will need another partner to play football with. But uh, for now, Azmun is in Zenit and Zuba is they go into the Champions League. So, there's not too many reasons to leave. So, maybe in a year time, if Kakorin goes for a year to Sochi, then he can transition back to Zenit. But this is all speculation. Uh, but apparently gave him the highest offer he has right now, official offer, uh, earning a little bit over $3 million. So if he moves to Spartak, he will become the highest paid player. But um, I don't really understand uh, in terms of just pure football. We have pretty good three strikers. Uh, usually we play 3-5-2. Three, three, two, two. We have Sobolev, who is a talented Russian national team player who scored quite a bit of goals uh, like this season. And then we have Ponce, 
and Larson, who also really showed themselves. So adding fourth striker, this is not the position we need to strengthen. But I guess, you know, throwing a glove to Zenit and trying to, you know, get talented Russian players, that's a strategy. Uh, so this is kind of the story. I'm curious, Andrew, what were your thoughts? Because you always have interesting thoughts on Mr. Kakorin. <laughs> Mr. Kakorin. I'll tell you, I'll start off by saying he's been on absolutely blinding form, which, you know, the form has continued from his prison career. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, he's, he's scored a lot of goals for Sochi. And he, to be fair, he's missed a few as well. He really could have had more than, I think it's seven goals in ten games, whatever it is. Now, admittedly, there was that hat-trick against Rostov. So, um, first thing I'd say is whoever picks him up is still getting a good player. Um, ah, to Spartak, I mean, it's a, I don't know, we, we have seen various players, but I mean, it, does he really want yet more controversy? <laughs> um, uh, I, I think a lot of, a lot of clubs could, could be after him. And I think you're right. Um, it always confused me in the winter when Zeni distanced themselves so much from him. Um, I, I still can't get my head around the the difference between what Sergei Semak clearly wanted and what the club wanted. Um, so, I mean, has six months really in Zanit's management size, has six months really rehabilitated his image? Possibly. Um, I, I think it's an answer just staring them in the face. If I was Zanit, I'd say, yeah, OK, he served his time, bring him back in. Um you know, Alex Shatos left. Um, Sebastian Giussi clearly has fallen out of favour with Stemak, not in a personal way, but just simply selection-wise. He's um, Dalek Kazayev has playing, been playing on the left side of their midfield um, for the last, well, since the the league resumed. So bringing Kokorin, and there's your more attacking option. Um, honestly, I don't know what to expect with Kokorin because I don't think anybody knows what to expect of him. I don't think even he knows what to expect for himself. Um, I don't see him. I don't see him going on loan again. I think he was forced into the Sochi move. He rolled up his sleeves, got on with it, um, but he's done his time again. You could argue. Um, <laughs> I, I, I don't know, Tim. It's a really hard one. I think Sparta could do a lot, lot worse than bringing him in because I doubt they would have to lay out an extortionate. Um, well, it, I don't know if his full-time contract with Sydney runs out this summer or not. But um, so whether he would command a transfer fee or not, but. Um, yeah, Kukorin's, uh he should be in the bar. Um So if he doesn't get snapped up, some people are sleeping. Um, <coughs> Ivanov, <coughs> or out. <coughs> <laughs> I, I like how you like to bring in um, Ivanov Ural. Um, <laughs> um, it does say that his contract at Zenit expires. Uh, which begs the question on how they actually managed to loan um, loan him to Sochi in the first place, because I'm pretty sure that's not allowed. But um, yeah, you know. well, well, well. <laughs> <laughs> this is obviously based on transfer. But we have we have a Russia desk there, so I, I trust what the colleagues in, in Russia have put in. And um, yeah, but you know, we never know how to need. Sinead managed the business. It's always, um, curious, to say the least. Um, <laughs> very curious. Um, but they have done some business, uh, Andrew, and I'm going to stay right with you because, uh, Ivanovic left. Um, there was some crazy rumor today that he's going to Everton. Um, <laughs> yeah, I saw some of that. Yeah. 
Nuts. <laughs> we ran it on our page. I did not write the article. My colleague Daniel Bush ran it. So I just woke up to it this morning and I just kind of noticed it all being on there, you know, to be quite honest. And I'm like, I didn't know what to think of it. And I really kind of <laughs> don't know what to think of it. <laughs> but uh Carlo Ancelotti knows best. I mean, I guess. <laughs> I mean, it's... It's, it's a, it is a really weird one. I mean, look, let's be honest. He, he's left any after a very, very good few years yeah. um, in St. Petersburg. He's won titles. But the reason he's left is because he's basically, he's, he's too old, which is, which is fair enough. You're chasing yeah. Champions League success. That's understandable. If he's too old for Zinni, I think it's fairly safe to say he's too old for a top five European league. I have a I mean, story. I have a story though about Carlo Ancelotti. So he might actually not be too old for Carlo at Bayern. <laughs> at Bayern this is one of my favorite Carlo uh-huh. Ancelotti stories the training was so soft that the players met secretly to go running in the park in the forest <laughs> <laughs> oh maybe he could coach that's a true story it's a true story so you know that maybe maybe that's why Ivanovic is going there he's doing early retirement at Everton <laughs> I can imagine, like, you know, a competitive guy like Robin, who is, like, leaves for competition. He's always fierce. Yeah. Anything he's doing, just imagine he's just, like, kicked the ball yeah, for yeah. an hour, and then he's like, I'm going to run in the forest. Yeah, it's true. It was organized by the players. They all met in the forest to go for runs because it was too soft. The training was too soft. Um, so I, when I saw that headline that Ivanovic is going to Carlo, I'm like, wow. Guess uh, he wants to wants to have that Bella Italia lifestyle. Um, so that's one deal. We got Shatov to Rubin. I mean, uh, Oleg Shatov, such a promising player, guys. And I just get the sense that it never really got to that level that we all expected from him. Is that an accurate assessment? Yeah, I, I, I would say so. I mean, he, he he's a he is a he's a brilliant little player. Um, and you can understand why he made the move to Zanit. I mean, Zanit come calling with the, the contract and offer, the chance to win trophies, he would turn them down, to be honest. Um, I do think it's a crying shame. I, you, like you say, he's 30 years old now. And mm. he's still, to me, for some reason in my mind, he's still a 23, 24-year-old player because I can't really remember seeing him much yeah. since he was that age. He's all, yeah, he's, uh, he's, he's promising, he's promising. He's 30 years old now. Uh, I think Rubin have done very, very well actually um, to pick this to, to pick him up because one of well they are the lowest scorers in the season and they've struggled massively for goals. And one thing Shatter will do if he plays regularly, which as long as he stays fit, is actually guaranteed, of course, to be starting for Rubin, and he will lay on a lot of chances. So mm. it is a shame, isn't it? Really, how it's turned out as a neat for him. I was, I've been secretly hoping for, for years that Oral would, um, get on the phone and bring him on loan. And absolutely no chance Oral could afford him permanently. But, um, you know, get him to return back to his, well, not quite his hometown. He's, he's from Nizhny Tagil, which, uh, Tim, I don't know if you remember Nasha Russia. Um, you know, that character well, who goes do, on holiday abroad and goes, Tagil, Tagil exactly. is sort of a, fig, a figure of fun, really, you know, this place. Cause it's, it's, let's just say it's not exactly the most glamorous town. Just outside Yekaterinburg. But, you know, he used to play futsal in Yekaterinburg. It's the, it's Vedlogs Oblast is where he's from. I thought it made sense, but, uh, no, off to, off to Rubinia. So well done, Rubin. You've got a good player there. Definitely. Yeah. Um, definitely. So that's one character done with. Um, 
I, I want to deal with Smolnikov in just a second because we need to do this next one first. Oh. <laughs> I know a lot of Liverpool fans uh, breathe a huge <laughs> sigh of relief when this transfer is finally done. <laughs> I feel like uh, this character, Dejan Lovren, has dominated my Twitter feed and more than any other player in the world, and that includes Lionel Messi and uh, Cristiano Ronaldo. Um, to all those fanboys out there, I tip my head. You, you're doing your best, but this guy is beating you um, by a lot. Dejan Lovren, Liverpool has finally gotten rid of him, and he goes to um the club that always takes on the big names in Europe and pays them a lot of money and um, somehow wins all the titles. What do we make out of this transfer? Because I, I actually think that Dejan Lovren. In some ways, you know, yeah, he's always he's always worth a mistake. But how often has he really also rescued the Reds in like really tough situations? I remember that game against Borussia Dortmund in the Europa League, for example, right? Yeah. Um. So, is this just uh, is this just a person who's finally freed himself of an eternal witch hunt? And you know, either you know, one of you can just jump in and uh, give your opinion on this. <laughs> I mean, uh, Manu, look, I actually think, I mean, jokes aside, and believe me, I am quite happy to laugh at um, anything related to Liverpool, but um, Lovren to Zenit makes a lot of sense. He was never, ever getting anywhere near that first team um, at Liverpool. They are they are the best side in England, and they will say they're the best side in the world. I don't actually believe they are quite, but they are certainly one of them. And they... They were never going to play. He's 31 years old. He's still got a good few years left. And in his own words, he's one of the best centre-backs in the world. And in his defence, he has played in a World Cup final. So he can't be that bad. Um, and Zanit needed him. Zanit needed a defence. I believe they have finalised Jordan Osorio's transfer from Porto, who I actually think was a waste. I really don't think he's up to it and in Russian Premier League level. And that is saying something. But they needed a defence. Rakitsky is has been absolutely fantastic ever since he arrived, but he needs a reliable centre-back partnership. And I think Lovren actually will be motivated here because he's got a good chance to play Champions League football. He'll he'll win another trophy or two or mm. three or four. Who knows? It's an eat. And like you say, he's got time on his side. He's got a three-year contract. So he, I know it's not at the longest, but for a 31-year-old, three-year contract is a reasonable commitment from the club. And his transfer fee is not extortionate for Zanit standards, so it's not he's not going to have a heavy burden over his shoulders, uh, but he's guaranteed to be a starter in a successful side. So Zanit get rid of him off the wage bill. Uh, Liverpool get rid of him off the wage bill. Zanit get a, a good player. Uh, I don't think he's great, but a good player who will improve their defence, given that Ivanovic has left. Um, so it makes sense all round. Mm. What do you think, Tim? Oh. See, like, there's there's two sides of the story for me. Not side, two two kind of opinions. Uh, he was clearly not good enough for, you know, for the Liverpool in sense to being like hundred uh, percent starting defender. But obviously, Russian league is lower quality. Would it be enough that you know that that you know that that the backup uh, center def from uh, Liverpool, from one of the best teams in in Europe and maybe the best team in England, is playing in uh, Zenit. And we know that he's a little bit, you know, like he is, he, he makes mistakes, but again, making mistakes in English Premier League and then making the mistakes in the Russian League, which is the slowest one, mm, will be not so critical. But 
I think where the problems will come, I think that will be Champions League. I think he, that 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 would be the top level, and, and then I th- don't think he is the top defender for the top level. Mm-hmm. So I think uh, for his will be good enough against Tambov and. Uh, I was going to say Ural, but I don't want to offend anyone on this podcast. But uh, <laughs> maybe in Champions League, it's... Uh, careful, it's, careful. It's... <laughs> maybe it's going to be a problem. So, um, to be honest, yeah, that's that's how I see that. But uh, another story which kind of blows me away, that, uh, you know, Zenit is able to buy a player from Liverpool for £11 million, pounds, and nobody else in Russia can. And that just shows the difference in financial um, mm. situation in, in Russian football. He walks into that squad being the third most valuable player on the team. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So that kind of speaks about uh, the the, ben- the benefit and the advantage that Zenit has over other clubs. And uh, no surprise that, you know, they win the league by so much. Yeah. Um, I think that's, that's a very fair point. But, um, you know, we have to also talk some outgoing players for Zenit. Um, Smolnikov. There was some talk that he could maybe go to America. Um, turns out he's he's going to Krasnodar instead. Um, that's a good signing for Krasnodar, isn't it? Like add some experience to that team, Tim. I think so. I think so. Yeah, he's he's still um, he's still a good player. I've I watched him a couple of times this season for Zenit. He's still 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 got it. And you know, like I think that bringing, like you said, like uh, Krasnodar, they have a few young players to so bring in some experience uh, that definitely benefits. And he wanted to stay at Zenit, but I think they didn't really agree the deal of the length of the contract. I think Zenit offered one plus one and Krasnodar offered two plus one. So that kind of was what sealed the deal for him. But I think it's a, it's a, it's a good move for Krasnodar. Um, attacking team, he is known as, a, as an attacking defender. Um, I think I think that I think that that that's a good transfer for for, for them. And uh, if Smolnikov want, wanted a long, longer contract, so yeah, I think I, I think that's good for everyone. Yeah, speaking of America, boys, uh, oh, nice. uh, I'm going to going to skip uh, skip ahead a little bit here. Don't worry, we get back to the other stuff later. Um, Kirill Panchenko. Um, this went. This came from our Russia desk at Transfermarkt. Is rumored, is rumored that he wants to go to Major League Soccer. And, uh, the rumor also has it that he wants a salary between 500 and $600,000. Now that means not a designated player, which, um, that's my personal thoughts on this. And don't worry, you guys can, can leave you 50 cents on this in a second. That makes him probably a bit more attractive. Than if he had been saying like, look, I want to go to Major League Soccer and earn the big bucks because like, uh, no offense to Kirill Panchenko, but he's not going to be a designated player anywhere because, you know, even in this market right now on the way that MLS is going, um, a designated player is a someone who you, um, can sell on for a lot of money, right? So usually from South America and young or B who is an absolute megastar. And we're talking for someone like Edison Cavani, Bastian Schweinsteiger, David Beckham, Slatan Ibrahimovic, you know, those are the kind of names that are designated players. Kirill Panchenko, uh, does not fall in that category. But when we're saying, okay, five to six hundred thousand, that puts him into the Tam region. That puts him into 
the sort of contract that a lot of players, a lot of teams around this league can handle. Because, you know, let's be honest, MLS, the, the salaries go up. The average salary in the league is now 400,000, which puts them in the same kind of category as Portugal. And, um, that means, you know, all of a sudden he's affordable. So now the question is, um, Kirill Panchenko to MLS. I mean, we know that he has a ton of quality. He had his times. And Andrew, I know you followed him quite a lot in FNL. Um, I think he could do a job here as a squad player. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think the most interesting part of what you mentioned there is his, well, his rumored willingness to take a, you know, a non, a not extortionate salary. I think it's actually very smart of him. And because he is a very, very good player. There are some, you know, there are some more foreigners than I realized in MLS who have moved over not as designated players. I didn't realize mm. quite how many. And I think Panchenko could fit in very well. He's, he's got a lot of quality as a striker, as a, as a number 10, you could say. And he, I, when he was at, when he was at Tescar still, I thought he was going to break through into their team uh, about four or five years ago. And it didn't, it didn't quite work out. I couldn't work out why. Unless would be very, very lucky to have a player like this because I do think that, you know, from speaking to you guys and some of my other friends and colleagues out there, that, you know, MLS fans are becoming more and more appreciative of technical players. And he is definitely a technical player who could improve a lot of sides. I'm just very surprised a lot more clubs within Russia are not offering him decent you know, Russian Premier League salaries because he's, he's proven that he can perform in the league. Only problem, I suppose, is that he has spent a reasonable amount of time injured in the last few years. But uh, I, I think if a team needs a boost in MLS, Panchenko is a really, really good option, especially, like you say, with his uh, willingness to take a, a slight pay cut. Uh, it's interesting to see how this fits in with Dynamo as well because... They've, they've released a lot of players. And if you look at the profile of the players they've released, uh, Hugh Mark's uh, loan is ended, but the other six players they've released are all 30-plus. So I'm wondering whether we're going to see a totally different Dynamo relying on their youth. Uh, youth Academy are the winners of the Youth Championship. They won the Youth Championship uh, twice in a row. I think it was about four, four or five years ago. Um, so maybe it's about time they started using some of them. Uh, so it's an interesting change of direction for Dynamo and a very interesting change of direction for Panchenko for me. Yeah, when wasn't like when does Dynamo not um, have some massive revolution before a season? But here's a final thought on uh, Panchenko um, playing in Russia's second division. You know, with its nine time zones, is probably the best practice you can get for playing in MLS. You know, with its <laughs> with its massive distances, lots of flying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, MLS players complaining before the new CPA that they have to fly coach for about 80% of the games. I know, guys, come on. Like, that's nothing. If you haven't been traveling in the FNL, um, you know, on a flight from Kaliningrad to uh, Vladivostok, um, you know, which is a time difference from here to Munich, you haven't experienced life. So I think Panchenko will be uh, beautifully set up for that. But yeah, we'll wait and see. I'm, I'm really curious to see if something comes out of this. It'd be, it'd be nice. And I think there's a lot of MLS teams that could use some, a player like him, especially if he is, um, if he's available for a decent amount of money. But, uh, let's move on to Lokomotiv and a guy, Fedor Smolov, 
Tim, what is his future? I mean, do we really know? And I'm kind of throwing Fedor Smolov in here because kind of want to like throw um, two topics together that we're going to discuss because we're going to discuss Krasnodar as well. So let's just bunch it together here. What do we make of Fedor Smolov and what's going to happen to him? question and um, it's it's uncertain because he definitely had enjoyed his time in uh, Spain and he I think he would have liked to Spain to stay in Spain but um, financial situation wasn't really uh, uh, you know available for him to 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 stay in Celta so now now, now what and uh, there's rumors that he might go back to Krasnodar where he had probably his best career um, time. Another option. He's still. <laughs> <on> top- <laughs> oh, <laughs> sorry, 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 sorry. Thank I you. forgot. I forgot who resurrected his career. It was the beautiful, uh, magnificent uh, orange team from Ekaterinburg. <laughs> sorry, my. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Thank you for correcting me. I really appreciate this. <laughs> so, um, but he's still on contract with, with Lokomotiv, and really, it's 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 now really a little a bit of like a guessing game. Uh, from us who are like the, you know, observers of Russian football, where he will end up. And it's really uncertain and really it doesn't, it doesn't make, it doesn't really, un, it's unclear to do because his dream was really to play in Europe. And I know that he, he said mm. it numerous times he did enjoy. So I think ideally he would like to go, like ideal scenario, he would like to go back to Europe for the same money he could be earning in Krasnodar or Lokomotiv. Is that realistic? Maybe not so much. So then he has to make a decision. Pretty much, player at his peak and player who will be approaching his retirement soon. What his next move is? Is it gonna be a money move or is it gonna be his dream again to play in Europe? And what he will sacrifice? The money, his uh, desire to be. In- uh, that's why, you know, like Krasnodar comes out. Also, you know, obviously European football that also comes into play. Krasnodar potentially could be playing Champions League and other things. So I think right now the situation is very, very soon because the Spanish League um, recently finished. Yeah. And like you said, the, the, the transfer window will go till October. So he has quite a few opportunities. I think this is a situation which we should not be guessing because I think it's too early. We just need to observe. Um, but will be very interesting because he's a good player. There's a player that uh, could be a great designated player in uh, MLS. Throwing it oh, out there, yeah, that he would be good. I think that's actually a, a player that you know mm, would be actually a designated player. Still, you know, he's only thirty, so not really too old. Um, and we're seeing players are getting older again, right? Because. It's a generational thing. So this is a player that I would say, yeah, I think people will pay for that. Played at the World Cup, you know, it was from a national team player, played in Europe. I think this is a player who could do really well in MLS. I always love how, how uh, this is just a general observation, how Russians always say uh, his dream is go to Europe. Um, you know, for a lot of North American listeners and listeners in the UK, maybe like, why are they saying that? It's because like, yeah, I guess it's like for Russia, if you play in Russia, Although they're playing the same confederation, it's not really Europe. Um, so I always, I always like that as an observation. Whenever I yeah. talk to Russian people, they're like, yeah, I, I would like to go to Europe. I'm like, dude, you are in Europe. And it's like, no, it doesn't feel like that for them. So yeah, I uh, got the Fedor Smolov thing out of the way. You mentioned, um, Krasnodar. Um, 
Tim, and there's a few things going on. And don't worry, we'll get back to that young kid that your locomotive signed. But what does that mean for the likes of Markus Berg, for example, at Krasnodar, if if Fedor Smolov goes that way? Yeah, like it's again, like Krasnodar is 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 a team which is always they interesting players and they bring well-known players as well. Mm. Well, well, no, no, by Russia started players. But again, like, you know, this is the team, I think that the, the team which is in a con- constant growth for less than 15 years, and they always have been growing. And finally, you know, this time again, they made uh, to the qualification uh, for the Champions League. And again, they see this opportunity to potentially play the uh, Champions League football, which would be the dream for them. And... Um, it's very interesting what kind of moves they make, because obviously you can bring, um, you can really bat on that playoff uh, games, and you can bat on bringing uh, players. But if you don't make it, you have a whole bunch of players on big money. So it's 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 always a gamble for any club, which goes for that very intensive uh, playoff uh, situation. So uh, again, I'm curious. That's why I kind of understand why Krasnodar interested in. Small of back because he really he he was the player who scored goals for them who was the striker who really did the result so all those changes that uh, potentially Berg brings Smolnikov and potentially Smolov in this is I think Krasnodar will be will come up with a few players uh, this transfer window who will improve them and also another thing that they can bring oh this is actually a question for you do you know how the Champions League um, uh, transfer would work because in Russia it's still October. Other Champions League uh, squads, one is a due. Oh, you're asking questions just like late of the day. Um, I think that's the <laughs> that's the FIFA calendar, so it's due on October fifth. But the Champions League starts later this year. Uh huh. If I'm not so, mistaken. So, te- so technically, potentially, they can even wait out and see how they do in the playoff round and then make the transfers if they go to group, if if, if this is an option. It's like, see, like it, it's a, such a crazy time right now in and football. So it, it really is. Um, and, you know, that we are in a situation where the qualifying for the Champions League, bear with me here, where the qualifying of the Champions League for the 2020-21 season starts before the 2019-20 season has ended. Oh my god. <laughs> what a mess. Yeah, because qualifying starts on August 8th. And the return games for the the the, the mining return games for the Champions League start August 7th. So hmm. We have teams already playing in next season's Champions League while the current Champions League is still. It's like it's going. Oh yeah. my god. So the, I, I know what you mean, but the competition proper only starts October 20th. So that, that means that teams will have enough time to have, to have, you know, have enough time to register for the players that they have signed on October 5th. Exactly. So it looks like this will be like a big uh, situation for those teams, who are, not only for Russian teams, for any teams which is going for playoff system. If you go into the group, if you go into the next round, you guaranteed make this much money so you can spend this money 
uh, on players. So I think this will be interesting, probably maybe the only time in football when, you know, it's a little bit bending the rules because usually you don't know. You just bet on it and you go with signing players and you go on Champions League playoff and you see if you make it or not. And then you have a couple of days before the, the transfer windows close. But here right now you can have the whole thing if you make it and if you go into the group, wow, very interesting. So, so just so you have this and then you had everyone was listening, the playoffs of the Champions League, right? Um, those will be t- September 22nd and 23rd. Um, the, f- the first legs of oh. the first preliminary round are August 8th. And the, the first qualifying round is August 18th, 19th. Second qualifying round is 25th, 26th. So that's, that's literally you having the first big teams enter this tournament while the, 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 the other teams are still playing for who's actually going to win the thing this year. And less than a month, less than a month when the current Champions League season concludes, um, we are going to have the third qualifying round on September 15th, 16th. Which means that's already where the likes of Ajax, the Russian teams, and all those teams are in it, right? It's tight. Mm-hmm. It's very, very tight this year, and um, that's it's a good question that you asked with the transfer window because everything is kind of different this year, right? So <laughs> um, we're kind of like everyone is kind of making things up on the fly, and that's literally how it works, right? So um, it's 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 going to be a very interesting time, but um, from the Champions League. To a team that's in the Champions League, Andrew, this team has actually signed a young kid from Uzbekistan, Yasur Yalodinov, um, 18 years old. What do you make of that transfer? Um, you know what? I'm actually really excited by this because I, I don't know why or how, but Uzbekistan's youth at the moment is, is really looking quite promising. We've seen Ostan mm-hmm. Udanov and have, an, in my opinion, an absolute blinding season for Ufa, and he's only 19 still. Rumoured to be in the in the sights of a lot of the big clubs. I believe Spartak were even rumoured to be looking at signing Gordon off to him. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I think, I think, I think we're favourites for that. I mean, I, I think that's a very realistic transfer. I don't know if it's quite the right time for Ordonov to go to a club as big as Spartak, but if he did, I think he would cope. I think he's a fantastic player. Jalalidinov is... Uh, he's well. He's only 18, but he's he's been playing regularly. I think it is in in Uzbekistan. He scored some spectacular goals for their youth team, and he's he's played regularly for them for their first team. He's a really, really and I think Loco have have been sensible to sign him because we've seen how they missed out on creature Kralix earlier last summer, and massively regressing that now. Um, and I, okay, I know Kralik said is Georgian, but these young Soviet players, there's a there's a market that Russian clubs need to be completely all over. Otherwise, they're going to start uh, they're going to start losing these talents. Now, Jalalidinov as a winger, I I think he's he's young enough to be moulded into uh, number ten if they want. But I think a winger is his, his best position. And if you think uh, of the interest in Alexei Milanchuk, for example. And in uh, AC Milan, we rumoured to be looking at him. I think it is a time for Mudanchuk to consider a move out. Um, so Jalalinov, will he get some game time? I think 
he probably would be in the first team match day squad. He would get a few games this season, probably not as a starter, but you know, he's only fine. That's not a problem. I actually think he's a very smart signing by them. Mm. And I'm really excited to see him. And more importantly, well, I say more importantly, perhaps more excitingly, um, how Uzbekistan could be a player um, in the international stage. It's exciting for Uzbekistan, given that FIFA is going to uh, pretty much uh, allow uh, quadrillion teams to play in the 2026 World Cups. So, you know, they're, they're now looking like a World Cup winner favorite. So um, good times for them. But, um, you know, when you look at the... When you look at Transfermarkt and you look at his profile and you look at the what the algorithm throws up in comparable players, there's a few interesting ones, including um, Roberto Massimo, um, very young, exciting German talent, and um, Umaro Mbalo from Benfica, who has been taunted by you know RB Leipzig have been after him for a long time, and also uh, Georgi Zitashvili from Dynamo Kiev. So it's a kid in good company. Um, Really excited to see how his career is going to work out. Boys, we have another exciting topic. Um, don't even know how we're going to handle this one because I feel like it's just going to explode in our faces. And the moment this podcast is released, who knows what's going to happen. I I'm glad you did this, Andrew, on the podcast, on the document, underlining that it's still not confirmation. I know that, <laughs> I know that my friend Lujesco, I have fond memories of him to this day uh, down in Florida. Tipping my hat to you right there. I know he's put down flowers over Lubanovsky's statue outside the stadium. Now, the big question is, is that actually going to be enough to convince the Dynamo Kiev Ultras <laughs> to allow him to coach the club? I know the answer. I can tell you it's not going to be enough. But I, I, I appreciate the gesture. I mean, I, I would put Tom Flowers down at Lobanovsky's statue at the Dynamo Kiev Stadium. I did. I think it's, it's a, it's one of the most monumental sites in all of Kiev. But boys, this cannot end well. And I mean, oh my God. it's too bad Vadim isn't on this podcast because I would have loved to hear this rant. About circus and the way they run the club. Because just thinking about this for a couple of minutes would have made you realize that this is just a dumb idea. It is just an atrocious idea. It's silly. It's just, I, I can't even put this in words. So I don't, um, how, how is this comparable? It's kind of like, uh, I'm struggling. Because I have taken Spartak. Yeah. It's just, yeah. you know, Messia Lugescu is a, a towering figure in European football. It's not just in Ukraine, in European football. He's hands down one of the most innovative, best coaches the, this game has ever seen. Right? Um, he built a super club at Schachter. Hands down. End of story. But boys, if you circus, and you run Dynamo Kiev, you just know that this is not a good idea. I mean, Andrew. Yeah, like, you know. Tim, like, oh, honestly. <laughs> I, th I, I think both of us want to speak because it's such a controversial topic and there's so much to say. Uh, I'll start and then uh, I'll pass it off to, to Andrew. But to me, really, the thought process, like, obviously, that's a controversial decision because uh, we saw that, like, he was appointed and then the fans were super rioting. 
And then Lucescu said, no, no, I'm actually not going to be the, uh, the the ultras against me. And then the Surkis said, no, you're actually the coach. So it, it's a mess. We still don't know if he's the coach or not. Like it's, it's a complete mess. But really the thought process of really you taking the uh, coach who manage your biggest enemy um, and and the most important, and I know it from my personal experience because he was coaches in it, he is such a whiner and he doesn't stop to talk and he's not afraid uh, to say fairly um, negative and controversial things about 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 his uh, rivals. Yeah. So, uh, what journalists want to point that out? <laughs> All journalists, yeah, you have a personal experience, personal story. Um, so he he he's just a big mouth, and uh, I remember that when he was talking so much about Spartak and about the referees, and he was moaning, and he was really displeasant. If you're not if you know if he if you're not fan of his team and he's not winning. So I'm sure over his long, long period at Shakhtar, the Dynamo Kiev fans like really learned to hate him. And now you bring him, but what what the key from he's 75 years old? Um no like you know it is, but 75 years old, you bring in the coach who's super controversial. Of course, it might work out great. We don't know if he become maybe he will make Dimanal Kiev the champion, but there's so many red flags all over the place from this from from this deal. Like, what are they thinking? I I don't understand the thought process. You actually really making a super mega controversial decision which doesn't have any guarantees. So, what's the thought process? I don't understand. Andrew Flores is your sorry I interrupted, my friend. Do you love watching live TV but are tired of your huge cable bill? Sling TV has the same top cable channels for as little as half the price, so you can save hundreds of dollars while still watching your favorite sports, news, reality TV, and more. Ditch cable and get Sling's total live streaming solution with free local channels. Setup and installation are included. Make the smart choice and switch to Sling TV. Get the best of cable for the best price. Learn more at sling.com slash cut cable. That's sling.com slash cut cable. Setup and installation included with $49 down and $20 a month for 12 months. Restrictions apply. It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. So, no, not at all. I mean, oh my word, this is uh, circus. Mm. Circus. Yeah. Um, I don't even know where to start with this. What on earth was he thinking? I mean, seriously, what on earth is anybody thinking? You are literally asking for trouble. Tim, you summed it up brilliantly, describing his character. It's not even just the f- that he is Shakhtar Donetsk. It's the fact of his character. It's he. He's a nightmare to work with. He does, you're absolutely right. I remember him whinging. I think it was the second game in charge, like the second league game in charge um, of, of Zanit. And I thought, well, hold on a minute, fella. Win something and then start complaining. At least you've got something to back yourself up. He was an actually nightmare at Zanit. And, and it just... I, I, I just can't get my head around it. Just making a signing, as controversial as this, has got to basically guarantee you success. And just bringing him in 
is really not going to be enough to to overhaul Shakhtar. They're they're far too far ahead of Dynamo Kiev, in my opinion. Mm. So, I, and, and like you say, his age, his age, he's seventy five years old. I mean, the late Sir Bobby Robson is about the oldest manager I can remember in uh, in English football, and he was only seventy one when when he finished managing at uh, Newcastle United. You know, we've got Roy Hodgson as well, who I suppose is. He's in his 70s, I think, 70, 71 or something. Um, but this guy's 75. I mean, it, it, uh, I, I, don't, I just cannot even get my head around it. It's, it's nonsense. And I would be very, very surprised to take charge of an official match. I know, we, like we said, it's not been officially confirmed. But, um, you know, when you're already two or three days into officially being announced, already saying, well, I think I'm going to leave. I don't, I don't see a way forward from here, to be honest. Mad. Yeah, mad is, is the right word. Um, we're talking about a head coach. And are you guys are ready for some statistics here. We're talking about a head coach who, despite being at Shakhtar Donetsk for 12 years, you guys ready for this number? His average tenure at a club has only been 2.7 years. Oh, that includes the 12 years at Shakhtar. Um, yeah, he usually does not last that long at uh, at any club. At Shakhtar Donetsk, it worked because you know Shakhtar Donetsk was Mr. Lucesco, and um, I I know that's you know because they basically let him do whatever he wanted to do, and it worked because you know um, if you if you give him absolute power, um, he can build something great. But ah, Dynamo Kiev is already such a club with such a huge mess to begin with, and. Um, it's just, it's just, it's kind of like, it's kind of like when Saddam Hussein, uh, like, you know, burned the oil fields. <laughs> it's, it's just pouring more oil on it. And, uh, it's just, it's just a disaster. I, I, I can't even put this in words. And the thought process behind it is just, uh. Manu, I'm, I'm just looking at his, uh, clubs, the teams he's managed on Wikipedia. Yeah. And he, he's not, really a foreigner to to manage controversial teams. He managed Dynamo Bucharest and Rapid Bucharest. Yeah. He also managed Gal- Galatasaray and Besiktas <laughs> at the same time. So managing uh, uh, Shakhtar and Dynamo Kiev doesn't <laughs> seem like a big okay. he, he's, his next job is going to be Spartak Moscow. Yeah, Welcome. but then, you know, Turkish fans are crazy, but they're also a bit more forgiving. Um, there's lots of stories of managers having managed more than one of those teams. Um, you know, Christoph Daum, for example, I think he's done like two or three of them. Um, but this seems like next level, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like if, if Yugoslavia was still a country and you go from Dinamo Zagreb to, uh, Belgrade. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because like the country has, Ukraine is, 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 is in this very complicated situation, right? And, yeah, this, this is going, I mean, by the time this podcast is out, this might already be yesterday's news. So let's just, let's go on to our final topic for today. And, um, a- a- Andrew, you, you weren't traveling. You actually got to see live football. And I can't yes. believe. Yes. In this time that we live in, I can talk to someone who's actually experienced live football. First of all, tell me, Andrew, what is it like? I, I, it's this weird sport. I've, I've just forgotten all about, to be honest. You know, these 11 players kicking it against 11, another 11. I mean, I oh know it's mad. It's nuts. Um, it was, 
Ah, well, yeah, I went to Yekaterinburg and were, we were allowed 10% of capacity into the stadium. So the way they've organised it, some stadiums doing it differently. Now, of course, this is all supposed to be in line with social distancing and and trying to manage a, a pandemic. And so what they did was they had the second tiers open only. Uh, the first tier was completely empty around the whole stadium. And uh, on both sides of the pitch, it was pretty much full if you allow the social distancing, which means that you can only have two people sitting next to each other and then three seats are blocked. But um, for the Russian Cup final, Zanit fans were all packed in really close together, absolutely no attempt at all to make social distancing. And and one of the funniest things for me was at halftime, you know, instead of having a kiss cam, they had quarantine cam. And they, they, they just showed different faces of different people. And when I say faces, I mean they're complete faces. Of about nine or ten people they showed, only one of them was actually wearing a mask. I mean, it just—it it was sort of what is this fast that we're involved in here? Exactly. We're socially distancing, theater. apparently. You know, it, it, theatre is the only way, and, and I mean fast, specifically fast here. I mean, you're socially distancing, you're limited to ten percent, but then you're not really making any effort to keep people apart, and not really enforcing the masks. And uh, in in the press box, yes, we had to wear gloves and masks, but. I don't know. It's all it's all a bit nuts, to be honest. Um, so, what's it like, Manu? It's a a very strange, weird, dystopian view of what the future could well be, and it's not a particularly pretty sight, to be honest with you. Um, but there was football on the pitch. There was football on the pitch. We had the the final of the Russian Cup, like I mentioned, Zenit. One nil winners against Kimki. Not a very exciting game, to be honest with you. Probably the most exciting thing in the whole game was um, Branislav Ivanovic lifting the trophy and, and breaking and dropping it. it and smashing it. Oh my god! <laughs> we need to talk oh, about this, boys. We need to talk about this. <laughs> Who, in the twenty-first century, in their right mind, makes a cup trophy out of crystal? <laughs> Yeah, no, well, that's Soviet tradition, like all the cups were made like this, so I think they keep it, but I don't think it's efficient. You guys remember when Ajax dropped the, the, the shawl, as they call it in, in the Netherlands? You know, like, it's, it's, it's kind of like a, it's a plate, kind of like the German championship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it, it got a little damage, but thankfully, it, I mean, it is out of silver. But could you have imagined it had dropped from the top of a bus? <laughs> <laughs> Are like who Ramos dropped the, the Champions League Cup, I think, or somebody from Real Madrid. Yeah, but did. those things they get banged up, you bend them back into shape, right? Exactly, <laughs> but not the glass. <laughs> I mean, I just dropped the glass in the patio early and it just smashed into a thousand pieces. I, I cannot see this Russian Cup being around for I very think, long. Manu, you as successful <laughs> as Brindislav Ivanovic. <laughs> <laughs> Boys, boys, the funniest thing about all of this for me is that Zanit officially announced after this, they announced that we're going to present the Premier League trophy and the Russian Cup in St. Petersburg the next day for photo opportunities. I was like, what are you actually presenting? 
I mean, the, 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 the shards of glass, you know, make it into confetti and you can drop a nice, pretty, sparkling, oh, I don't know, it's, I, I think this is a good opportunity. I, I understand about the tradition. I actually think it is an attractive looking thing, mm. but I think this might be an opportunity to um, redesign the Russian Cup, shall we say. But wasn't it already redesigned and then they went back to the old Soviet trophy? Because for a while after the fall of the Soviet Union, it was a different trophy. Same with the, the Russian yeah. championship, because the Russian championship now is also the old Soviet championship, which is made out of glass. Yeah, and now the Russian Cup used to be look exactly like Champions League trophy. It was like exactly like I saw old pictures and it was just like, oh, uh, that looks something like I've seen before. Yeah. But but the, yeah, I, I don't think this, yeah, the, the history remarks is nice, but the efficiency given what happens with when... You know, and it's like you have to see the video. If the listeners haven't seen that video, how he drops the uh, the the cup, it is it is glorious. Please find out. It's not too hard to find. And just Google Ivanovich dropping Russian cup, and it just like that. Like the whole geometry of that fall is epic. And then the reaction of Zuba and the reaction of the team. And then somebody says, oh, this is what happens because we have this tradition in Russia, especially at the wedding. So you dr you make a drink and then you smash nice it on the glass. floor and then. Yeah. yeah, the happiness. So they said, yeah, for the happiness. But that's the trophy. <laughs> like, it's nice. <laughs> oh, it is probably the biggest highlight of that game. Wouldn't you agree, Andrew? Well, I, I, okay. I mean, I will briefly, very briefly describe the game. Um, Himki are, well, they are now in the Premier League. Only about a week or two ago, they were confirmed in the Premier League. But they still have only played here for the last few years yeah. obviously um, they were very well set up very well organised but they were playing against by far and away the best team in the country so they set up reasonably defensively and they counter-attacked very well Zanit looks in third gear throughout the whole game Ivanovic himself was actually very poor and he kept trying these bizarre 60-yard diagonal passes that were nowhere near any of the strikers but it didn't really matter because they, they could easily soak up the pressure and an 84th minute penalty Malcolm, who had a lot of time on the ball, he was tripped in the box. Zuba converted it. You could tell from the Zanit fans' reactions how low-key it was because they barely registered. I mean, they just assumed, in the end, correctly, that they were going to lift the trophy anyway. Um, but, I, I mean, this is going to surprise you, boys. And I want to wash my mouth out at the second I actually say this, but Kimke did not look too bad. I actually think they have a reasonable chance, reasonable chance of staying up in the Premier League under Sergei Yuram because they, they played a really, really sensible brand of football. They had five at the back, one defensive midfield, and then three players behind the striker. And these three players were incredibly athletic and energetic. They were pressing out of possession. They were very quick and well-organised on the counter-attack. I think we might see a, a vaguely interesting Kimki side, which of course is complete contrast to the utter shit heap of where they live in their terrible stadium. Sorry, Nina. You know, it was, let's be honest, it was going to go explicit anyway. So yeah. I'll do my bit there. Um, that did not but, take long. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, it's just, longer than I expected, actually. Yeah, we lasted 57 minutes. I mean, almost to the end of the podcast. So well done, Andrew. Well done. You know, save the best good. for the last. Yeah. yeah. But, um, Inter interesting enough, um, this is the end of the season, but it's not because the, the next season starts next weekend. So we're right back into this. 
Um, really briefly, boys. Himki versus Seska, Roto versus Sinitz, Bartok versus Sochi. Those are the match day one highlights. I mean, I can't believe we're already talking about next year. Yeah, it's it's gonna be interesting, and you know the, the most interesting part because there's really no um, training camps. There's no nothing. The, the players go uh, for a little vacation. They're back to train for one week. So I think uh, the interesting part that I think the teams will um, start the next season exactly where they finished the previous one, which is pretty much unheard of. Uh, so it's going to be interesting. I don't think there will be much changes in form because I don't see why. Uh, so it's going to be interesting and uh, we'll see how that goes. But uh, the transfers will be coming in. So I think it's going to be still a very interesting season. Yeah, it's, it, it, it boggles my mind. And I'm looking at this um, that on August 8th, yeah, the season starts with Kim Ki against uh, CSKA. I, I don't think I've ever experienced a year like this. I mean, where we are basically going, oh yeah, this is done. Uh, by the way, next week we're going to start with the next storyline already. So, I mean, I haven't even really gotten used to the fact that Roto Volgograd and uh, Himki are in the first division. You know, let alone that, that there's football again. So, yeah. Um, I mean, man, just a, a brief side note, you got to remember, as mad as this is, this was only this was this was delayed a week. It was originally going to start this weekend. It was going to start first and second of August, um, but they delayed it after clubs requested it. Um, so as mad as it is, it could have been even madder than it is now. And it, it, I have to admit, it completely slipped my mind. <laughs> um, but yeah, I guess you know that means we're going to be straight back in it uh, week after next. Um, so. Yeah, our summer break is going to be 10 days. So, boys, I hope you enjoyed the last podcast and the, before the summer break because we're going to be straight back in it. Um, I guess the weekend after August 8th, uh, which means we're going to discuss a bunch of new teams and teams that with Roto Volgograd, uh, excited to see them in the league. I really have to say they snuck up on me, but yeah, um, enjoy the really short, short, short break. And it, it's like this with everything in football. Um, there's a joke on Twitter going around for people that work in this industry that will basically see all our friends again in about a year's time because of the schedule. Um, and it's true because right now it feels like I won't have any, any time until about December 21st. So, uh, you guys are lucky. You work with me, but, um, everyone else, yeah, I see you around Christmas. So. <laughs> Enjoy the rest of your summer um, <laughs> <laughs> because I won't have much of one. But hey, guys, before we go, uh, Andrew, um, I assume you're busy because looking at the schedule, you must be. But what else is going on in your life? Oh, yes. Well, yeah, like you say, um, there's going to be another ton. And just to, uh, just to point out as well, guys, it's not just that we're starting soon again, but we're still in... It will be a two games a week schedule. So we're going to have six games in August and we're not even starting on the first Jesus weekend wept. of August. So yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's nuts. Um, so before the first international break of this bizarre world that we live in, I will be just flooded with yet more previews. And hopefully after that, it will return to normal. But, um, yeah, that's, that's pretty much, that's pretty much it. Just, just keeping my head above the water is what I'm up to at the moment. Here's to normal life in 2021. Uh, Tim, until then, what's going on in your life? <laughs> I will be enjoying the great weather we have in Vancouver. I will be, my band is recording some new music. We go into studio tomorrow. Oh, wonderful. Uh, 
So things are happening. People can find me on uh, Rocket from Russia Instagram and Russian Team sixty one at Twitter. So um, let's let's talk Russian football. One hundred percent. Yeah, you guys can find me on on Twitter at Manuel Vef. Um, I do not have a life which my Twitter reflects very well because I'm on there pretty much 20 hours a day at the moment, <laughs> either reporting from games or transfers, which is what I do um, for a living right now. And I, it feels like it's never going to end. Um, it's July 29th. It's going to October 5th. I mean, this is, <laughs> this is nuts, but um, yeah. Um, enjoy the next two months. seeing me work away as a slave um, until then. Well, yeah, I can't say much else. So yeah, until then. Das wird dann hier. It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.